Greetings poppers, Brian here, introducing a new one-shot, Missing Magic, with Crest as our DM. And before I go into the intro for the episode, we have a very special promo this week brought to us by $2 Creature Feature. Now you might recognize the voice of a certain Mr. Ray during it, so let's check it out now. Grab some popcorn and find your seats. Monster of the Week actual play podcast $2 Creature Feature returns for Season 2 on February 22nd. This season, we'll see a whole new crew of hunters confronting the mysteries at the heart of the town of Jupiter Hollow. I'm Megan Murphy. I'm playing Zelda Wardwell, the Flake. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to protect people, too. That's like what heroes do. I'm Nyalder, playing Eric Ashrin, the Crooked. Let's just say I don't ask questions that involve textbooks. I ask questions that involve cash. I'm Laura McMillan, and I'm playing Tammy Jo Marpoint, your home town home finder i'm here to make deals with the good people of jupiter hollow but i already made a deal of my own tammy joe is the monstrous and i'm mr ray i play everything that tries to kill these people and if you enjoyed our first season you ain't seen nothing yet new episodes every other tuesday wherever podcasts are found let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby Let's all go to the lobby to get This is it, Poppers, the first episode of Missing Magic with Cress's RDM. I know you all have been super excited since hearing the clips for this one during our New Year's Soda Pop episode. Now, Poppers, get ready to tag along with Everett, Laszlo, Jean, and Nico, as they have been summoned for a very important manner. Now let's not keep you waiting any longer and start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode. You may have noticed that I am not our usual narrator. Hi, this is Crest. Um, I played an NPC in the Rumble in the Dragon Box adventure a while back. Um, but today I am Game Master. And welcome to my playthrough of the Cyber System for what might be a one shot. I don't really know. We'll see how this goes. I'm probably going to butcher everything horrifically. Um, with me are my lovely players. <laughs> We'll start with the one who just cackled malevolently. Oh, thank you. I've never, I've never been described as malevolently, malevolently cackling before. Um, you may recognize that laugh, listeners. It's me, Eric. And today I'm playing Everett R.I. Crowley III. I am a weird explorer who crafts unique objects. I'm interested in the supernatural and other things, and my travels around the world to check out the mystic and mundane mysteries have brought me to Paris. And you are not alone, as I understand someone else has also repurposed one of their old characters. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a game with Everett Crowley. Wait, what was, what was the last name? I keep on thinking Everett Crowley. Everett Rowan Ian Crowley third. I wouldn't be a game without Everett if we weren't having a Lazaro Richards, who in this game is a brash explorer who drives like a maniac. Oh, good. And this is this is uh, the ever president Sean from the podcast. I guess I'm the producer. I've lost track of my title. <laughs> we are professional podcast people. Yeah, we're yeah we've been doing this quote professionally unquote for like almost three years now. Uh. Brian. Oh, well, hello there. My name is Brian, and I shall be playing. I shall be playing Jean Vision, and I'm a mystical adept who dances with dark matter. And well, I am accustomed to darkness, and my father was a very, you know, bright man, but not me. Hey, I love to. I love to paint, and I, I, I love to paint like my idol Van Gogh. You know, neo-impressionism. And CJ. Hi, I'm Nico, and I'm a mystery seeker who infiltrates and explores my past. I woke up in one of the French catacombs, and I have a bizarre mark on me, sort of a tattoo and a weird alphabet I can't read. And there's a bistro owner who seems to know who I am, 
and I have no idea what's going on. Oh, that sounds fun. And those are my players, and I am the game master of the the cyber system one shot. Um, I am my knowledge is so and so with cipher systems, so I am probably going to flip things. So please forgive me. Um, and now the prompt: This is Earth, sometime in the 1920s. The location: Paris. It is a time of music, art, love, couture, and all sorts of things, including the clockwork creations, steampunk, and most of all, magic. Science and the arcane walk side by side, dressed in avant-garde wear, and they may be demons or fae. Who knows? Yes, this is a different Earth. All of you lovely players are students of the arts, perhaps a university or court or however you want to call it. But recently, projects meant to impress the highest of the high class and the knowingly of the knowledgeable have gone missing. People are baffled because people have found nothing from police automatons and mages, and even young teenage sleuths have had no luck. Then one morning, a common friend to all four of you and the reason the four of you all know each other calls you out, and they sound frantic. Now, given the prompt, I feel like I should address some things because I try to cover my base with my players, and sorry, what I'm about to talk about might be a little bit unpleasant, but, well, covering my bases. Understandable. My base idea from this one shot was I wanted to explore the world of Paris, as in the song Paris, Key to Your Heart from Anastasia, both the movie and Broadway play, only adding magic and steampunk cuts. Um, doing this means dealing with history to a certain point, of which I only know so much, and it's not a lot, so addressing two things. One, Russia, we're not touching Russia. This Earth is a whatever thing, I don't know what they're doing, but I'm not touching them. Two, as demons fay and the other fantastic beings walk among us, racism as we know it really isn't a thing. Plus, the topic isn't where I want to go with the game anyway, so though in the real world there was, of course, plenty of that awfulness, we're going to enjoy a better world for this adventure. Sorry for the unpleasant topics, but as someone who can be polarizing myself, I had to address these things. That is why we roleplay, to escape to a different world. Okay, so we start with the four of you wandering the streets of Paris. I know one of you has the descriptor that says drive like a maniac, but um, using vehicles, unless you're... Out, going outside the city or you need to put on a show for some big prestigious event is not a good idea which you will soon find out why but for the moment um, you guys are walking the streets so you guys have given me your names and your character abilities but why don't you describe what you physically look like uh, okay let's let's go back around and I'll start again um, Everett is hmm, maybe on the tall end of the height, since we're talking 1920s Paris. He's about 5'10", and he he's a chonky boy. He, he's built. He's got, um, he's got some muscle on him, but he's also got some belly on him. He's, he's kind of a, I don't know, a big friendly guy. You know, the ugly American tourist trope does not apply to him. He is warm and friendly, and he's always... Well, he's always trying to smile and he always tries his best not to be rude. Um, He's got brown hair. He's got bright. If I remember correctly, I was going to give him uh, different colored eyes like uh, heterochromia, where one eye is normal. One eye is a slightly different color. Um, So one eye is green and the other eye will say is kind of a golden amber uh this is also not his most striking feature as he has a prosthetic arm it is not exactly your normal sort of prosthetic arm you would find even in a magical 1920s this thing is more on par to kind of the cutting edge stuff we have today as in it can move it can grip it can be controlled through some kind of connection to his nervous system. Um, for those anime fans out there, it would actually probably be better described as auto mail from Full Metal Alchemist, just to give you the range of abilities that it actually does have. But with the steampunk brass and bronze and leather aesthetic instead of the, the silver. Outfit-wise, he wears... Uh, He's a cowboy from Texas, so he's got the big shit kicker boots. He's got dark denim jeans. He's got um, a a light blue button up shirt with the the straight collar. He wears a bolo tie. Um, He has a hat with a somewhat wide brim, uh, straight 
sides and a flat top with a leather band that has a a circular stone attached to the hat band that has a hole in it and a long oiled leather duster. And I think that about covers everything. (laughs) My apologies for taking so long. That's fine. Uh, Let's do your partner in crime. Uh, You see a a slightly paler Irish looking man with orange hair. But that's not what's striking about him. He's wearing a purple bowler cap, a purple button-down collared shirt partially open at the top. And he's got what well, he has. Um, he has smudges all over, like skin around. I'm like these. These they're, they're fading now. This is, looks like a pretty new shirt, and I feel like there's like stains on. There's like little patches of stain on his skin because he was so happy to have like this exotic-looking purple shirt that he put it on shortly after it was dyed. Oh God! So the dye is still there. It's it's dry by now, but there's just it died. He got parts of his skin dyed, so there's just like these patches where like he just he he looks like a rough and tumble type. Um, he almost looks like he has his orange hair is almost it's kind of curly in the sense that almost it almost looks like dreadlocks, but not really. And he's wearing these short brown gloves with a with with similar dyed pants where it's it's blue, but it's it's an off power. I want to say that seafoam blue. And he's just, you know, he's just he's just kind of walking around cocky like the man with the plan he is as he uh, kind of just has. That'll change real quick. Um, sorry. Go on. And he I feel like he's just he's got a lacrosse bat slung over his shoulder. That he's holding with one hand. He just he looks like he's ready. To, he's looking like he's ready to go, go, go to go to a, either a sporting event or maybe there's. Maybe he might be planning a crime or maybe he's planning to prevent a crime. You don't know. He just he just kind of oozes confidence despite how messy he looks. And Brian. OK, well, Jean Dijon is, you know, he's a little on the tall side as well. He's 5'10", but he is real thin. He always has his black tree, I mean, black trench peacoat. And he's always wearing bright colored suits even though he always has a dreary disposition on his face. Now, his hair is bright white, and his eyes are gray, and it's because they kind of got dyed when he saw into the abyss when his magic awakened. But he does wear two mementos from his father. He wears a tiny little pink pork pie hat on his head, kind of like Hey Arnold. So he has a... So he has a little pink pork pie on his head, and he has a pocket watch. So whenever he's kind of losing his patience, he pulls out his pocket watch, and he looks at the number 24601, because his dad named him after Jean, Jean Valjean from Les Miserables. Yep, yep, yep. And he always remembers his dad telling him, see what that man went through, and he was still a good man. Be like him. And that's John. Then finally, CJ, his character. Oh. I think my man needed to say something else there for a moment. Oh, no, 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 no. I will wait, actually. Uh, okay, so uh, Nico is a six foot two individual, uh, brown hair. Uh, his hair just seems to kind of fall into style without needing to be, uh, what's a good word for that? Groomed? Styled. There we go, styled. Um, he's wearing a black linen shirt and a pair of, it's not a black linen shirt, a dark blue linen shirt and a pair of black linen pants, which is kind of unusual for. Uh, the setting because you know the whole steampunk thing but in his mind it allows him to be quiet he just isn't sure why he needs to be quiet um he's not a very outspoken individual and most people don't really recognize him he's not you know somebody that really sticks out in a crowd um other than that he just really doesn't know who he is or why he is where he is and he has no idea who this guy at this beach bistro is who who knows him um, and he's basically just trying to figure out what is going on with his life and why he has this like impulsive graffiti habit. Like he just graffitis all kinds of stuff all over the place and he doesn't really know why, but he just, he just does it. Interesting. Okay. So the four of you are wandering the streets of Paris, heading for the Salle de Creators which is a huge estate that various different patrons fund and host artists to stay in. A mutual friend of all, to all of you, Lady Lafleuf, has called run you all the morning sounding frantic, and so you set out. You're walking the streets, and then along comes an amber cylinder with spinning gears and two glass circles for eyes. 
chugging along, making fucking noises or whatever you want to call it as it putters about. Good, good past you. Stops. It does that swivel thing robots do where it's looking at you without actually twisting its body. And it says, run, run away. And then its head twists back to normal and it keeps puttering away. Then you guys see an aeroplane zooming by overhead and there are people dancing on the wings. Then you guys hear music, trumpets and violins and all sorts of different music in the distance. And then you realize that someone must have spontaneously burst into song and dance. Magic being so prevalent in reality, when that happens, it is a tidal wave that sweeps you along. Unless you guys want to be late. Yeah, you guys better run. Yeah, I... And welcome to our first challenge. Everybody, roll me speed checks. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, speed check. So we just click on speed. Yes. Whether or not you guys want to actually use your effort points or points from your pool or whatever you have is up to you. All right. Um, for our listeners, Cyber System has three stats, might, speed, and intellect. And I'm guessing the difficulty is zero because uh, the, the, it, it popped up before as I hit roll, so... Oh, no, the difficulty is actually different. Uh, you got a... What'd you roll? No, that's that's not me. I haven't rolled yet. That was me. Oh, Nico, what'd you roll? Ten. Okay. Did you just hit for the difficulty zero? Um, that's not actually the difficulty in mind, but um, we're it's fine. As long as I just know what it is you guys roll. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, that's an 11. Yeah, so j- just for transparency's sake, to keep, make things fast, I kept it difficulty zero and then that effort zero. So I just... Oh my god. As, as straight a roll as I could. John wants nothing to do with this song and dance. With John leading the way, you guys duck through alleyways and using the bard parks, which are the areas that they try to keep the song and dance contained to, you guys manage to avoid getting swept up along. Well, that's good at least. And before long, you show up at the Sal de Creators. And you guys find your way to, well, navigating your way through various groups, lounging and doing various different things. You reach her apartment and you guys knock on the door, which then opens on its own, which isn't really that much of a surprise since last month, someone brought back a book from Greece about Eros and Psyche. And since then, an invisible service have kind of been all the bad since then. Walking into the apartment, you guys find her on a chase, weeping and moaning with a fan, and herself hysterically, surrounded by three of her lady friends. Now, you've known this woman for ages, and as much as posing as this is, you can tell she is genuinely upset. Madam, what seems to be the particular trouble that has you all aflutter? Her three ladies start bursting into tears, and there has to be magic involved without it flowing like a waterfall. And then she says, Oh, darling, it's just terrible, just, just terrible. My latest sculpture's gone missing. Someone break in and stole your latest sculpture? You guys would know that this has actually been a bit of a common occurrence lately. A lot of different artists, all their projects keep going missing. Right. Hmm. And again, no one's had any luck from the police to automatons to mages to teenage sleuths. Well, if the teen sleuths couldn't handle it, what chance do we have? She starts starts crying again. That was out of character, but okay. Did the teen sleuths have a dog? Um, all right. And and can I pet it? I I have to ask how big the statue was. Hang on, we're talking about a dog right now. Fine, fine. Can it be a French bulldog? Well, I mean, we are in Paris, so, you know. I'm making a note for later. Fine. You guys can talk about a statue. I'll worry about the dog over here. Um, the statue in question is about, oh, it's not a big thing, but it's also not a small thing. So it's about medium height, I want to say. Okay. Are we talking like four, five, six? It's an abstract piece. It's what she's known for. Okay. But yeah, she's calling you because she needs help. Right. And she says, the police are just useless. Useless, I say. And she starts scaring herself hysterically again. Uh, well, ma'am, um, did you, aside from noticing that the statue was, in fact, not where it should have been, was there anything out of place? Uh, any signs of break-in? I mean, you gotta give us something to work with. No, no, everything was just normal. <sighs> and her ladies start are about round... Mm, Six of the tiers by this point, you'd have to say. She points you in the direction of her salon if you guys want to start investigating. 
Well, that's a start. Let's go. Then we'll let's go to where the second challenge is. Intelligence checks, everybody. All right. Okay. Lazlo's just sorry. Lazlo's just kind of squirrels his cross stick in his hand as he enters the room and looks around, tilting his head ever so slightly, thinking it makes him look look smart. Which one of you rolled a five? That was me. They both did. That was me. <laughs> I bet they want to tell our lovely audience what you got. I am so sorry. Could you repeat that one more time? Everett, do you want to tell our lovely audience what you got? Yes, I rolled a 17. And if level 20 is telling me is accurate, I do believe that's a critical. So looking around, and then may let your eyes go back to the door frame where on the very bottom edge, you can just see a smudge of oil paint. Now, you're a lovely, now Lady Lefleuf being a, oh god, I can't actually sculptor? Uh, yeah, sculptor. Being a sculptor, she does some work with paint, but you're pretty sure it's not like this. And why would it be in that position? And she usually commissions people to paint stuff for her. So yeah, yeah. So either either a rival has absconded with her latest statue, or the thief stole a oil statue earlier and had some um, left from that crime scene. So I think um, I will also give this to you because you did crit. As you look at it, you like follow like which way the smudge like went. Okay, and you can now that you know you're looking for. You can see it like a little trace of it out in the hallway and leading into the estate. Leading into the estate. Yes, because it's this is a bunch of apartments and a big ass fancy mansion thing. Right. Um. Well, in that case, I think I'm just going to grab Laszlo by his collar and go this way. Come on, boys. I got a lead. Let's go. Jean is still just amazed that somebody actually stole that ugly painting. I mean, that ugly statue. Like a Squidward statue? Is that what we're talking about? Eventually, gang, I'm going to need to explore how you all became friends with Lady Luffleuf. Um... So eventually you guys find your way to the room, which is known as the room of many stairs, which, because it is exactly what it says on the tin. And it is there that you kind of lose the trail. And there's, well, technically speaking, there's more than two directions to go up, but technically speaking, all those lead to different apartments that you have really have no business interfering with. So you can either head up to the roof, which features an open air garden, a lovely cafe for people to buy from, and everyone doing 17 different kind of drugs under the sun, mainly smoking. I mean, it is Paris in the 1920s. That's, you know. Yep. Or you can go downstairs, which I don't think you guys know what's downstairs in the basement. Yeah, but I have a feeling that the, the oil paint smudges are going to point us downstairs. Are we are we still, like, around the oil paint smudges? No, they've sort of faded out when you reach the room of many stairs. Can I go back to the oil paint smudges? Sure. Okay. So, like, I want to go back to the oil paint sponges and take out my dagger and kind of, like, scrape at them a little bit to kind of see, like, if, like, how dry they are. Because oil paint takes forever to dry, right? Oh, good point. Good point. It's, mm, I'm going to say moist, but not very, very wet. Would tacky be a good descriptor? Tacky? Yeah, tacky. It's just a little sticky and wet to the touch. Yeah, that sounds about it. All right, so it's only been a couple of hours since this person. I'll come back and I'll share that information with the group. Now, I'm thinking with that statue, they ain't gone up because anyone and everyone could have seen them. Plus, how y'all going to get a big old statue off the roof? There's a small part of me that considering... Paris is known for its catacombs that they went down to the basement and perhaps found a way out of this building through some kind of tunnel attached to the catacombs. What do y'all think? Ain't no one going to begin that statue out of here above ground. I'll tell you what. Not unless they can fly. 
if they went down into the catacombs, we have a pretty good chance of never, ever finding them, let alone them never, ever finding their way out. That is a bit labyrinthine down there, ain't it? We're talking hundreds of miles of tunnels that just go in all sorts of directions, different elevations and levels. And... So what are you guys doing? My, my gut's saying down to the basement. At the very least, you know, they'll be cornered in the basement. But then again, they may have gone upstairs and gone off the roof. We don't know. This is a pretty big statue we're talking about, right? It's about medium, I would say. Yeah, so I, I was saying anywhere between four and six feet. Sounds medium to me. Okay, so we're talking a little over 100 pounds minimum. Yeah, that sounds about right. So getting it up to the, to the roof for an escape would be really, really hard to do without getting noticed. Considering the amount of drugs being imbibed. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If I, I don't know where this voice came from last, but this is the last voice from now on. Ah. You'd think with the amount of drugs that went on upstairs, it'd be more of me here, more, uh, you know, like, uh, what the hell? Maybe. Let's go talk to the high people. John's John's kind of already going upstairs. He's like, drugs? Drugs. Remember, we're on business, not pleasure. But, um... Uh... Business. But I had to spend a few moments with LaFleuf, and that means I get roof access. Look, we all suffered those few minutes with Miss LaFleuf. We'll worry about that later. We got a job to do. But we might also get to learn more about the Teen Sleuth as well. I am looking for this dog. I mean... Yes, I'm also interested in finding the dog. I... Upstairs we go then. You guys go upstairs into exactly what I described earlier, an open-air rooftop garden with that's on the park cafe, and there are... There are chase, uh, there are chases, there are lounges, there are chairs, there are, I think, houses to turn for them for beanbag, for fancy beanbagish things. Uh, chase lounge, C H A I S E. Yes, those. There's like all sorts of different like seating arrangements for sitting and lounging and so on and so forth. Um, there's a good chunk of people up here. Some of them are reading the paper. Some of them are smoking. Well, actually, a lot of people are smoking. Um, and there's a waiter going around, like, serving drinks and food, asking for orders, and looking like he really, really had a bit out of the cover of space with, but he can't because this is Perry. Right. So, who do you want to talk to? Is there is there a central location, like, say, a bar and a bartender? You know, a proprietor, a proprietor of items. He wants the plug. He <laughs> There is. Um, the proprietor of the bar is a fairy, because, and you can tell he's a fairy because he has dragonfly-like wings going down his back. Okay, so watch what we say around him. Got it. Uh, well, I think, since I've been taking lead, apologies, uh, Everett will belly up to the bar and say, uh, what, wait a minute, what time of day is it? Oh, uh, it's about midday now. Okay. Afternoon. I uh, got a couple of questions to ask you, if you don't mind. I may yet have answers for you. All right. We're friends of Miss uh, Lady Lafleur, and she had the unfortunate happenstance of being the latest uh, target of the art thief. Ah, uh, yes. We were simply wondering. Sir Lionel was uh, ranting about that last week. Hmm. You didn't see anybody doing anything weird with a statue up here, would you? The Fae just looks at you, looks at all the very high people, and then just looks back at you. Yeah, fair answer. Fair answer. You mentioned a Mr. Lionel. Is he here? No, I believe he went into the Swiss Alps to recover. And he nods sagely at you. No, now that you mention it. Oh, what was her name again? Miss Jeanne? She was... She showed up earlier or before, and then she guessed, and then he guessed, they guessed her towards all the smoke. Saying something about running into someone covered in paint this morning, perhaps? Really? Did you say where? They shrug. Mm. And she wouldn't happen to be here in this lovely establishment? He points over to where a bunch of chases are set up, and there is a, where basically a mini hookah lounge, hookah lounge is set up, and you see a woman, like, taking long, low puffs from a pipe um, with the cord extended into the tank. 
Okay. He's going to tip the edge of his hat and leave, um, politely leave a tip and head on over to the Chase Lounge and the Hookah. I I think Vassal, seeing this, we're going over to the Hookah thing. He's going to put down some money. I'd like a glass of your your cheapest alcohol of three drops of your most expensive alcohol inside, please. The bay will get on that. And what about the other two? Um, hmm. Not to interrupt, but I think if Everett hears that, he's just going to give Lazo a look. Like, like, like a what the hell <laughs> kind of look. I, I think he just kind of, he kind of, he kind of like pats uh, out his pouch. You know, in his pouch is where his torches are. Ah, okay. All right. Interruption done. Apologies. John would have already been heading to the hookah area. Uh, Nico's going to get up on a chair. Uh-oh. So he's kind of like high up. Say, hey, everybody. Everybody having a good time here tonight? How's everyone doing? Well, yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, not looking for cheers. Got a question for everybody here. Did anybody see a big, you know, about this tall white guy come walking through here? Maybe it was with uh, somebody who, uh was covered in uh, colors. Maybe he didn't talk to y'all very much. Maybe he walked a little funny. Did anybody see it? Maybe you thought he was a ghost. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One young gentleman points towards the Apple Tower saying, there's a big statue. Really blipped out of his mind. Right, right. That is a statue. You are correct. You're such a smart fellow. Did you see a uh, maybe a six-foot-tall white one come right through here, though? No. Oh. And then there's more puffing and smoke going into the air. Okay, these guys are way too high. Yep. Hey, table 43, your cinnamon rolls are ready. Ooh, cinnamon rolls. No wonder the teen, teen detectives didn't get anywhere. They even they, they probably got up here in the doggles playing with the stone people the whole time. <laughs> Scooby snacks. What have I done? <laughs> these are the real Scooby snacks. Chris, you knew what you were cutting. You knew what you were getting into when you when you you agreed to this. You've been on the you've been on the show. You've listened to the show. This is true. You have no one to blame but yourself. Oh no, John's gonna come out of the hookah lounge area just going, Alright guys, um uh, I don't think we uh can find anything here. Okay, so Everett, you go over to the hookah area, you see Jean taking a few pops, but you also see the woman you need to talk to. Okay, uh, he will politely approach, go, what was your name again, Crest? Uh, ah, Mr. John. Miss John, okay. Yeah. Pardon me for interrupting Miss John, I believe your name was. Uh, my name is Everett Crowley III, and I have some questions that I think you might have some answers to. Do you mind if I join you? Okay, you may need to cut out what I'm about to say next, but first, uh, you know, I probably should have had you guys fill out Monty Cook's Consent in Gaming the surveys I use for this, but, um, okay, she kind of, I have you, like, a basket of muffins, and then she says, oh, feel free, honey. Well, damn, that's a description. Do I need to change that or no? No, that's fine. <laughs> We've had worse. Okay. Note to self, I need to prefer the surveys. Okay. Uh, he, he's going to be taken aback because he's actually never been described <laughs> as, uh, he, he's never had that kind of feeling before, and he's going she takes another puff. Going to sit down, it's like, um, I believe we have a mutual acquaintance, and he nods towards the bartender, um, and he mentioned that you came across a man covered in paint? Yeah, Larry knows everybody, and then she raises the pipe in the hand, and she says, Larry! And everyone goes, Larry! And the Faye just does not even react. He's too busy focusing on mixing up uh, Lazlo's drink. Ah, the Faye is Larry. All right. And then she says, yeah, I ran into some jerk this morning. He must have been real busy, too, because he was, like, covered in paint. I don't swear he was made out of it. And she took another long puff. That little bit of information is going down in Everett's field notebook. Uh, Can I walk around the crowd and, like, see, like, maybe if anybody else who's sitting here all blazed out of their minds um, has, like, a... Maybe they have some similar paint, like on like a bag of theirs, or like a shoe, or something. Like, kind of just like peruse the crowd. You are going to ask that in a cafe of an estate, home to many, many artists, 
They'd probably come up here for food and drugs. And who knows what else. I'm looking for the similar paint, though. Then maybe there's something special about this paint. No. Yeah, no, oil paint, I mean, it has a specific look, I think. If we're also talking about, like, the 1930s, 1940s time period, there were very specific ingredients that were used in oil paints. Okay, that's fair. Um, roll me a straight intelligence check. All right. Yeah, no. You're not really having very much luck, Nico. Well, that's... You got an eight, people. Hmm. I have a very important question. Jean wants to know if those cinnamon rolls were delivered. And is there any way he can go get that plate of cinnamon rolls and bring it back? The uh, hookah seems to be packed with some hard-hitting stuff if it's affecting him that quickly. He has a plan for this, actually. There is a reason for this. That's fair. Excuse me while your game master has a breakdown. He got his hand. He got his hands on that. Uh, he got his hands on that bubonic chronic. <laughs> New record. Well, she is having hookah, so she, she probably is pretty hungry for the munchies. Roxwell, everyone dies. Good game, everybody. <laughs> we're done here. This was fun. Let's not do it again. No. <laughs> we were on a mystery. We chose to get high instead. Okay. Um. Let's see. John is craving cinnamon buns or cinnamon rolls. Sorry. Ugh. Craving. Um, well, no, he just wants to pick up the cinnamon rolls that Lady Jean ordered. No, that was a different table. Oh, apologies. Um, he just jacks somebody's random cinnamon rolls. Yeah, he does that, and they don't really care because, again, we'll put that in their minds. Um, that's just that's just a big high person thing. Like, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> Actually, I have I have an idea. For Laszlo, that last one to try to help. Uh, he, I think he sees uh, John going over, and he kind of gets the idea of his plan, and he takes out... <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. I believe it. So, I think Laszlo sees this, and he's thinking, oh, you know, maybe, I should, maybe I should help out with this. And seeing that he's surrounded by artists, extremely high, and likely with no sense of, no sense of danger... He out two of his torches, lights them, and starts juggling them as he walks over over by the table to try to draw their attention away. <laughs> Bro, you gonna cause a panic? Have you never been around high people? Oh, this is about to be bad. The colors, the colors. And Jonathan's actually get it's the cinnamon rolls. Oh boy. Meanwhile, in the middle of all this madness, in the far back, there's Everett scribbling in his notebook and Nico prowling about just in the gym or just staring. What do you guys do? That's it. Everett just kind of sighs and goes, he has a plan. I don't know what it is, but he has a plan. Jean puts one arm behind his back, holding the plate of cinnamon rolls like a waiter, <laughs> comes and plops them down in between Everett and Miss Jean. And Jean wants to sense, see if there's any magical properties to her. Interesting. He he, he needed an excuse to come get close, and he thought, "Why, why come not bearing cinnamon rolls?" And he's kind of hungry. Uh oh, hold on one second. I'm just checking something. Okay, yeah. Um, you have the ability sense magic, so yeah. Uh, go ahead and roll me an intelligence check, and add, and you can add two to it. Okay. Alrighty, intelligence, and you said add two. Yeah. Oh, uh, I rolled an 18. Oh, okay. This woman does not have magic herself, but she has come into magic recently, and you can tell it's not from just the Faye bartender or anyone else on the street. You can tell she run into magic. There was something about that paint you realize that you're looking at her. Speaking of the paint, and going back to the man almost being made out of paint, could I perhaps use my supernatural knowledge skill and apply it to this situation to find a perhaps kernel of uh, an idea of what's going on? Let me take a look at your sheet real quick. Supernatural knowledge, which is probably just what says on the 10. You said a man being almost made out of paint. Is it possible that this magic paint that this statue is made out of brought him to life and he's actually in this cafe with us right now? No. Um, the, the the statue is like marble or something. It's a it's quote unquote modern art impressionism or something like that. The paint is different. 
Gotcha. Okay. At least that's how I understood it. The CG it makes up a good point because if it's originally made out of paint, that would explain the paint game, the marks getting on the wall. It stole the statue so it had something solid to apply itself to with solid mass to more take on a more humanoid, humanish form, maybe? Yeah, but you're the juggling torches, so you're not part of the conversation. Is the statue alive and getting high right now? Where's the dog? No, we're forgetting, uh, not, not to be rude, but you're forgetting the fact that there is a thief involved. The thief is this man that's probably made of paint. And he's going around stealing other artists' work. To what end? Don't know. It's not just D&D that the ridiculous this can come into play if people at any tabletop game. Um, Everett. Can I, uh, can I throw a perception check real quick? I'm going to look for see if anybody in the room looks panicked. Oh, yeah. I'm juggling torches and, and paint lights on fire. Perception isn't really a thing, but sure. Oh, we don't have perception checks in this system? No. Well, how the hell am I supposed to look around for stuff? Intelligence. Okay, I'm going to look around for stuff. Or speed, depending on your character type. Uh, they're both the same thing. It doesn't really matter. Um, all right, it's a 15. Do I notice no, anybody? No, no one looks in... panicked. Okay, so the oil paint that would be extremely flammable guy is not in the room. Oh, that's fair. Um, okay, circling so back to Everett. Yes. You wanted to use your supernatural sense. I'd like to. You're knowledgeable about the Fae and the other magical creatures that run amok in the city, but um. This actually sounds like something new to you. Okay. I mean, that, that, is, that is knowledge. It is something that doesn't sound familiar to me, which is disconcerting. Now, John's actually going to turn to Everett because thinking about this, like, now she's not magical, but she's been around the magic of this man made of paint. Mm-hmm. Everett. John's gonna look at him and just be like, giving him the eyes of, be careful of what you say to her. John doesn't. He's like, I don't trust her. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So, uh, and he and you know, Everett's gonna give him a nod back because he he gets it. Um, I I think he's going to ask like this this man who had paint covering him, uh, whether or not he was made of paint is immaterial at this moment. Do you remember when you last saw him and? Perhaps what he was doing? Oh, uh, yeah. The great big Palooka went down to the basement. Don't know what he wants down there. Everett just kind of looks at Jean. Team, the dog is in the basement, apparently. If everything is pointing to the basement, this is too convenient. All jokes aside, I am not liking the way this is starting to add up. No, I'm not too keen on the math here either. But at least we have a direction. And Everett will take one of the cinnamon rolls, use it as a salute, go, ma'am, pleasure talking to you. I'll, perhaps we'll meet again someday. And he'll walk by. Uh, as he does, he's like, Lazlo, let's go. I'm going to pocket somebody's blunt and follow them. Okay. To be fair, that could be useful later. Who was that that? Which is why I pocketed it. Who was it that said that? Sorry. Uh... Who was that pocketed in? Uh, Nico. Okay. What about the other two? I think I think Lasso just nods central and as the torches come down, he swiftly grabs two glasses of water and catches the torches in the water to put them out before bowing, saying the glasses, grabbing his torches and heading after. Ta da Jean, as you like are you gonna follow them? Oh, of course, John's going to follow, but he's getting a nagging feeling in the back of his head, and he's just going to try to memorize Miss John's face, just so if there's any moment of anything bad happens, he get, he gets the whole, I told you so. Um, as you get up to follow them, the bartender goes, sir, you got a drink? Because Lovelace forgot his drink. Alright, I am going to use one of my moves to get the drink and catch up because I am fleet of foot. <laughs> this man just wants to use his... <laughs> and Lavlo and John go down the stairs together. On on the way down the stairs, I'll look at the other guys and be like, you know, um, if you guys want, this is sort of my thing. I'll check the basement out and come up and tell you what I see and let you know like if there's any like dangers down there. 
what do you mean your thing? Are we talking like, uh, are you going to ghost through the floor or are you kind of talking sight from beyond sight? We're not going to discuss my criminal record publicly. What I'm saying is this is sort of my thing and I can get into that basement and get back up here with a report. When he said that, I just need to know for the audience, what was the other three's reactions to him saying that? Jean is immediately intrigued and impressed. Everett's going to go, yeah, okay, and, and just shrug. He's probably gotten into similar scrapes. And I'm guessing Lazlo is nursing his scotch. Lazlo's going to sigh and hand Everett two notes. Thank you. He lost a bet. What have we learned, Laszlo, as he pockets the cash? Why? What was I thinking? I wasn't. <laughs> you know what's bad? I'm the serious one of the group. Excuse me, like I'm crying in the corner. Well, they learned that I can still juggle fire better than you, Everett, and code a crowd, so. He sticks out his tongue. Everett's just going to roll his eyes. This is one of my more tame characters. Okay. Real talk. Um, Nico, you were the one talking about sitting in the basement, or was that Jean? That was Nico. That was Nico. Okay, Nico, what do you have in mind exactly? All right, so, like, I kind of want to, like, enter into the basement and utilize my um, infiltration skills to kind of, like, get down there and, like, scout it out and see, like, you know, is there, like, some mafia paint-stealing cat people down there or something? And, you know, kind of, like, see what I see and come up and tell the the rest of the guys what I can see what's going on down there, you know? So I figure, like, either, like, Danger Sense and Find the Way could have been, like, uh, good abilities for this. All right. Lily's stepping on your feet into the basement. You guys see that the... Well, I guess Nika would see that this place is used as a storage facility for a lot of older art projects and so on and so forth. Um, It's pretty big because basement is a huge-ass mansion estate thing. Um... You're getting a very extensive foreboding from the um, closet because of your danger sense. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, mm, to do a quick run through, I'm going to say, give me a speed check. 17. Is, I think that means it crit, right? Yes. You zoom through the basement real quick and you make note that like, closet, dangerous, stay away from. And you return to the others, but you're not seeing any obvious attackers. Okay. Check it up in my. All right, guys, look. Other than it being a normal basement, there's a closet down there. The hair on the back of my neck stood right up. So I think maybe we should check that out, but be careful. Um, let's let's let Laszlo open the door. No, I, I as humorous as that would be, I think I might have a. Oh, no. Well, I have danger sense, too, though. So so do I. <laughs> Does anyone not have? Does anyone not have danger sense? Doesn't doesn't Lazlo have torches though? I do. That's why. That's why I'm volunteering you for that. You can like throw a torch through it. Yeah, but he also just dust them in water. Oh, good job. I I have one torch left, but there is one other thing I do have. Um, might 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 I make a suggestion? Not to take more of the spotlight but i think everett has a good tool for dealing with the closet and the door and what's ever behind the door mm. okay uh as in, it, if i may set the scene um i would like to think that everett goes as amusing as it is to let laszlo lead the charge i think i have a better tool for this job in particular and he'll walk into the basement in front of the other three. And as he enters the basement, he's going to ask Nico is like, and uh, cause I'm assuming there's more than one door down here. Or is it just the one door? That's the closet. It, there's, there's a few closets. Okay. Which door in particular was the one giving you the heebie jeebies? Uh, I point in the general direction. Like that one over there, man. All right. He walks up to it as he does. He reaches into his coat Maybe you should listen or something at the door before you just go ahead and willy-nilly do so. Maybe. Luis, I have I have an even better idea, Everett. Quick, someone go and grab him. Well, dang, I was going to do a dramatic reveal here. Okay, Everett can have his dramatic reveal. As he 
walks up to the closet in particular, he pulls from his coat a firearm, a very large, sawed-off shotgun that has three barrels. Never mind. Oh, never mind. Me and Everett were actually under the same plan, except his is cooler. I like his plan. At the sight of this, Laszlo just chugs his drink, but he doesn't swallow. Ladies and gentlemen, the Pathmaker. Click. <laughs> Maybe try the doorknob. Maybe the doorknob. He, he, he's, he's, already, he's already clicked the trigger. He already, he already fired. At what? The door. All of our ears are about to be ringing. A three-barrel shotgun is going off. We're so deaf. Oh, no. Oh, we are, we are all very... Roll me an attack? Okay. I have lockpicks. Something like this is... Yeah, it's going to be might. Might, okay. Zero, zero, and that gives me... Nope, I am knocked on my ass. Yep, and as you do, the closet door swings open, and inside you guys see a pile of stuff that people have just shoved in here. And then it moves. Oh, no. And it moans. As a pile of things attacks you, it's a blob. Full initiative, everybody. It's a trubbish? Oh, no. Wait, what's initiative? Oh, no. It's that thing that we roll to see who goes first because numbers. No, he's asking what it is in this game, which is a very good question. Oh, it should be under the three stats. Skills. Initiative. There we are. Yep. And I have a move that lets me ease. How does that? How do you do that? Hoken was selected. Are you kidding me? I came to roll. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, we don't have tokens to choose. No, this is all theater of the mind. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah, mine says it's an eight. I rolled a 19. <laughs> I rolled a thir- Um, Jean rolled 13. I rolled a nine. Okay, you have to admit, though, that was kind of funny with the shotgun. I'm not going to lie. All I was going to do was cast Shatter on the door. I have lockpicks, and our ears are all now ringing very badly. You know what, Everett? You know what? This has to be a deal between Everett and John. John gets to do Shatter on the other door. <laughs> That's fair. He he had it. Everett had his had his time to shine. That, that shotgun is impressive. John respects the shotgun. Okay. Top of the round, Everett. You're first. Okay, um, I am going to stay on the ground because it makes no sense to um, stand up and then fire when I'm right there and the thing is probably right on top of me. Um, I would, let's see, I think considering where I have one of my ciphers, um, that means I have a plus two to my armor, if I understand that correctly. Just for, for future reference. Which one are you talking about? My adder stone. I have it as a... You have to roll to determine that effect. Oh. No, it's a roll or choose. But if you want to roll. Oh. If you want me to roll, that's... Oh, no. No, I'm I'm a benevolent GM. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll let you use your adder stone. But um, for the listeners, he's talking about ciphers. In this game, ciphers are... They're somewhere between artifacts and items, and they're one-use things. Oh, they're they're one-use things. Okay, so I was right on that. I so do you want to use? So are you going to use your outer stone? Um. Well, considering this is nominally a one-shot, it would not make sense. Uh, to waste it. So yeah, I'm going to use it, and I'm going to use its ability to add. Since it's attached to physical armor, it adds one to the armor it provides, or two if it's over level six, which it is. Okay. All right. So you're adding. Oops. Going on the wrong thing. Okay. So you're adding plus one armor already. Well, wouldn't it be plus two if the cipher is at level six or higher? Oh, plus two. Sorry. Already? Just for numbers. Um, and I can't really do anything there. So I'm just going to shoot at it again. Go ahead and roll me might. Don't screw me this time. 
zero and um effort to roll it's up to you if you want to spend that or not you know what let, let let's spend one oh for come on oh no oh a gm intrusion i see how it is i will be kind your gun is jammed you're gonna have to spend your next turn getting it unstuck that's fair and and is that your turn uh i think that's all i can do okay it is now the blob's turn oh god it's gonna try and eat you everett that sounds about right let me see okay yeah it's just straight over here i think okay and that's a natural 20 folks oh you did oh it reaches out and it gloms onto you basically uh-huh. It's trying to eat you, and you feel a little bit of acid, so your might is going to take... So I'm going to subtract uh, four from your might. That's no good. Because in this game, we don't have HP. We have um, pulls for our players that can take damage over time. And once all those are gone, you're kind of either dead or impaired. Yeah. So, for for, for the record, listeners, I had an 11 might, and now I have a 7 might. And that's the Blob's turn, who is now on top of Everett trying to eat him. John, you're up. I would like to take a moment to yell out, It's burning me! Careful you touch it! Yeah, I'm not... Yes, um, I'm not going near that thing. Um, John's going to try to turn... try to help out uh, Everett and cast Distortion so he can shift in between darkness, in, in between blots of darkness. And be faster on his defense rolls? On speed defense rolls, specifically. Speed defense rolls, sorry. Um, okay. And it just, it's a cost two. Okay, minus two from your intellect, then. I have a lot of intellect, so that doesn't matter. You know what? I thought I did, too, so... Um, is that your turn? Yes. I hope I, I, hope I understood how to do, do that roll with the, with the thing, because I, I put it on a one, and... Okay, Lalo, it's your turn. So, is Everett engulfed by the blob, or is it just kind of like to the side? I guess my question is it. It's partially. It's, it's about covering him up to his waist. All right. So I'm finally enacting my 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 plan because because I feel like Laszlo would take out his remaining torch with his mouthful of alcohol. Oh no! And I'm gonna, I want to, I want to light the torch and try to spray the alcohol and light, light this blob on fire. I swear to God, if you miss, um, is this an ability of yours? Uh, oh, it's well, it's not an ability of mine. It's just something I'm trying to improvise because I figured that that's part of why you got the alcohol is because so, so you had an accelerant if need be. He wants to fire breathe. Yeah, a party wants to say intellect, but. Because I think that's actually very much in character for you, I'm going to say might. All right. You know what? You're right. It is. All right. Here you go. And I am going to use my one effort on this because I don't want to light my best friend on fire. Nine. Hold on one second while I double check something. Hmm. Uh, Give me a second to double check something real quick. Gang. Sorry. No, don't be. Any, any, you know, it's just time and anything can be edited in post. Ah, okay, that's how that works. Alrighty, uh... I just had a really weird fridge moment where I realized this could technically count as no need for weapons. It's that that really armed. Okay, yeah, that hits. I mean, you're not wrong. It's not exactly a normal weapon now, is it? Okay, uh... Something like that, though. Mm, I'll say roll me a d6. Alright. Okay, D6, D6. I am probably doing this horrifically. Oh! All six, alrighty. Okay, then. Okay. And now your turn, Laszlo. I believe so, because I'm not sure if I can do anything else. Okay, Nico, you're up. I'd like to scream. Everett ever would like to scream, Watch what you're doing, Laszlo! I'm going to whip my vase of tears uh, at Everett. Okay, you're using a cipher. 
What did it do? It will, on the next turn, prevent any might damage being done to him. Alrighty. I appreciate that very much. Give me a second. Uh, I'm going to make a note that you guys are using your Cypher's Outer Stone used. Um, is that your turn? Uh, yeah. Okay, top of the round. Uh, uh, Everett. Okay. Um, I have a special ability. Block. Alrighty. You automatically block the next melee attack made against you within the next minute. Action to initiate. Or I can try shooting. Oh, wait, no, I have to unjam my gun. Let me do that instead. Well, the, the, yeah, I would say the Vaz of Tears is going to protect you for the turn, so you could unjam the gun. Yeah, let me do that then. Everett shall curse and go about unjamming his gun. Uh, would that be a crafter roll, perhaps? Mm, I'll allow it. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, how does one... I'll say straight in... Oh. Oh, that's just the info. Um... Um, straight intelligence check. Ah. Zero. We are probably doing math very, very wrong, but I'll get there eventually, gang. Huzzah. Okay, that'll work. Your shotgun is now unplugged. Yay. And I'll say, and because I'm nice, I'll say you have it reloaded, but you won't be able to attack till next turn. That's, that's fine enough for me. Uh, hold on one second. I'm double checking something again. Mm -hmm. I heard the dog. Okay. It is now the blob's turn, and it's still going to continue trying to eat Everett. Okay. Normally this would do four points to your might, but because of that handy-dandy little cipher Nico used, it does nothing, even though it hits. Thank goodness. Um, hmm. It is now Jean's, John's turn. Alrighty. And John's going to cast Onslaught. Oh, no. Yeah. That sounds nasty. Um, yeah, and I'm going to expend an effort so this doesn't cost me a thing. Hooray! So, let me just put this in there. Alright, folks. Onslaught is you attack a foe using energies that assail either their physical form or their mind. In either case, you must be able to see your target. If the attack is physical, you emit a short-ranged ray of force that inflicts four points of damage. If the attack is mental, you focus your mental energy to blast the thought process of another creature within short range. This mind slice inflicts two points of intellect damage, ignoring armor. Some creatures without minds, such as robots, might be immune to your mind slice. Your Itachi? Okay. Um, and I think we'll have to go for the physical. <laughs> so I emit a short, short range ray of force. Okay, your magic slams into this thing and it wobbles a bit as some piece, bits and pieces of it go flying. Uh, Lava Load, it's now your turn. All right. I am going to do. Hmm, what do I want to do on this? Because I have a couple options. What would the man with the plan do now that he's out of fire and alcohol and he's fighting a burning blob? Is your torch still lit? It is. I I also have a dumb question. Considering that oil is flammable, does this thing have oil paint on it? Or in it? Well, part of it, maybe. But parts of it are also made of cloth and wood and stone and a bunch of other things. So, flammable materials. Actually, I'm going to do something... Some of them, but not all of them. Actually, I, I want to do something. And I will remind you, you're still underneath it. Yeah, I know. So I want to... Sh okay, so I have a smart idea, possibly, or maybe I've actually killed my friend. Fingers crossed, folks. Because Laszlo is going to pull out his grappling hook. Oh, God damn it. I want to try... I want to try to hit... hit I want to... We never established, is it like an actual hook or is it like a grabby thing? I guess is my question. I'm picturing Kim Possible in my head. So a grappling hook. Okay. Actually, what I... 
I'm going to do something cheaty because I think he's going to move closer and he's going to he's going to raise the grappling hook and shoot it into the blob point blank trying to use the force because he is a he's trying to use the force to push it off of his friend um okay i'm gonna say that the range attack which i since just shovel check with the pdf that's actually a speed stat something ever i'm so sorry about earlier um go ahead Lado, speed check speed check oh because shotgun would probably fall under speed too okay makes sense yeah okay that's a seven that's a let me well i mean with the kick a sawed-off shotgun has, and mine being a triple barrel, might also made sense, so... Yeah. Your shoulder is very, very bruised. Okay, yeah, that hits. Hey. Roll me a... I'm sorry, Chris, I know I'm improvising a lot. No, it's fine, so am I. Um, I'm gonna say, roll me a d6. That's a four for damage. Your grappling hook like goes soaring into it, and as it does, it more or less just explodes stone, wood, and every other type of junk imaginable goes flying everywhere as this thing kind of just as whatever it was that was animating it, animating it, falls to pieces, leaving and freeing Everett. Everett, you're fine, but um, the bottom legs of your pants are kind of gone. Gone. Like, your ankles would be showing. But I think you're also wearing those chug-ass boots, so... Yeah. And as you guys are now left alone in the now-silent basement, knowing that there might be more of those things hidden in the other closet, and you still don't know where Lady LeFliff's missing latest piece has gone, that is where we're going to end part one of Missing Magic. Thanks for tuning in. This is a great start for our new art recovery team. No matter what anyone says, I think Everett's Pathmaker was the best choice. What more is in store for everyone as they continue their investigation? What is the deal with this paint-covered man? Will they recover the pilfered art? We will have to wait for the next one for the answers to these questions and more. And if you enjoyed today's episode, remember to leave us a review. It really helps us in the long end. And to follow us on Twitter at DungeonsInPop. And if you would like to talk with the cast, you can find us over at Cast Junkie Discord server. So until the next one...